Today is Monday, January 22nd, 2024, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast, and I'm your host, Nate. Today, we talk about a bunch of nonsense to start. Some dukes and lords, what's the difference? Who would win in a battle? Let's find out. <laughs> then we get to sharing salvation in a closed country, somewhere where um, Christianity is not looked upon or other dissenting religious views can get you imprisoned or dead. Um, you know, because what better way to convince people than violence? Anyway, um, so we talk about sharing salvation and the gospel of Jesus with people in countries like that. And uh, then we actually get to a little clip of uh, the Ask a Christian podcast doing some good in the world. Um, so despite all, all the drama and other tangents we get on, um, some good is being done. So that's good. And then we talk about, uh, you know, can you forgive yourself? Is that biblical or just like a cliche saying people have like, hey, forgive yourself? Um, or is that like really biblically inspired? Who should we be giving forgiveness to? Um, then we talk about metal and music. <laughs> so, um, you know, at what point should Christians forsake the things of the world and um, just listen to, uh, you know, lutes and lyres with hymns and, and the psalms or, you know, are some drums okay? Um, and whenever it gets too far, too much drums, and it's talking about, like, you know, traditional metal themes, like, you know, I don't know, Satan and sacrifices. Maybe that's a little bit too far. So where is a happy medium? Is there a happy medium? Um, anyway, so we talk about these and more. And then it gets political towards the end, talking about, you know, um, the presidential race and some things like that. So anyway, it is a whole gambit of things. So check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Learn how to have civil conversations with people who don't always want to be so civil. We do a good job of that today. Um, and also check out the Ask a Christian store. Grab a coffee cup, doggy t-shirt, regular t-shirt, or anything. Um, support this podcast, sharing the gospel with people on the internet. Until next time, see you later. When people come in, they're like, I just want to understand the Trinity. I'm a you know good little Muslim. I, I don't have any ill will, so just explain the Trinity. Because it's all stupid and made up, and how can you have three gods, and who's the most supreme power? And burn! It's like, oh, oh, I, I question whether you really just wanted to, you know, to learn what we think. I'm telling you, just go the superhero route next time. Just be like, you know, you got Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. I, I mean, I think that's the answer. Like, no matter what you say, they're going to, I mean, they're either going to convert because, you know, God, ready for this? Because God wills it so. Or they're just going to fight no matter what you say. So just be like, just repent and believe. Just, that's it. The first book, Peter, says you just got to believe. So, um. Oh, wait. So do you ever listen to those hallway chats? I really try not to. Uh, no, it's a good choice. Yeah, yeah, Um, You know, you can skip through them a bunch. But um, look out for one today. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a pro tip. Because. Um, I think a good 40 minutes of my day today is going to be responding to one of those, but I'm going to be, I'm going to go the full sound clip route. It's going to be good. It's going to be very fun. Um, there may or may not be recordings of barking chihuahuas. There may or may not be recordings of very, very upset goats. I'm just saying. As in, like, like Jesus talking about sheep and the goats, or like actual animal sounds. To no, me. like actual barnyard animal goats. <clears throat> oh, so like someone says something that someone doesn't like, and then they put in clips of like uh, the screaming goats. Yes. Just huh. saying, there may be, there may be something like that happening today. I, I make no promises. Depends on how my workday goes, but yeah, it's going to be good fun.
I'll, I'll send you a link to the actual chat when I when I post it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. That's interesting. I'm not really sure how to respond to that. Um, oh, we have a terrorist down there who wants to talk to us. Um, uh, I just woke up. It's too early to meet someone on the field of battle. Like it's called Armageddon, bro. Like you know, read that in Revelation. Like it's it's gonna happen. You're gonna get your wish. Uh, but yeah, careful, careful what you wish for. Uh, a Christian doesn't know the nature of God, one or three. Uh, you don't know the difference between one or three in nature, um, and doesn't follow any commandments of the Creator. Um, oh. Well, I mean, I don't I don't have anything else to do on this Monday morning. I mean, it's too early for the field of battle. But if you want to say some uh, throw out some commandments that you think we're not following, that you also think the creator tells us to follow, we can tell you why you're wrong. Um, so I guess I guess we can do that, and you can yeah. in chat. Well, um, I think what Sultan means is that we don't go around indiscriminately um, putting babies into ovens and roasting them like he does. So, or you know. like melting flesh from their bellies. Yeah, or, you know, shooting innocent people or... Torturing them to death, or you know, the 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 really good things that you know his PTR denotes. Well, that took a turn. I don't know. Do you have any happy thoughts? Did you watch the you know the one football game I watched this entire year? Um, was against Steph's team and <laughs> Chiefs won. She lost. I don't want to say it's because I was watching, but you know, I have that kind of influence. In that voice chat, there may be a special appearance by a Buffalo fan. I'm just saying. Be good times. Getting things ready. I don't even know what's happening. You're too cryptic. I can't decipher this. It's just, you know, it's all, I'm not trying, I'm building it up a little too much. It's just, it's just a bit of like throw off comedy. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be like maybe two minutes of your life for you to get like maybe a 20 second chuckle out of it and move on. So that's, that's all you should expect. Like, you know, well, two yeah, minutes for a 20 second belly chicken laugh. dumplings or something. Well, if, if you mean, have a way of linking that specific thing, cause. Oh, well, I haven't done it yet. So I, I mean, you called oh. me up here. Oh. I still have to take my father-in-law and then I will go to the office and execute my, mildly fiendish plan so how much time like, of your life are you donating to um to create this 20 seconds of belly laugh i mean maybe 10 minutes you know something like that <laughs> you know it's gonna be 10 minutes and and uh, you know i'm not like writing a script or anything you know i'm just gonna riff and i'm gonna use like you know my my soundboard that i made and oh and i'm gonna try to hit all of the um gonna try to hit all of the points of the bingo in one 20 second like tirade the stuff bingo so I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on that that might take a little more planning i gotta hit all of those points really quickly it's gonna be good one moment i'm just sending a message I wonder if Sultan down there's like the Sultan of Swing, right? I just think it's like, Sultan of Sin. I mean, it's kind of the same thing, right? Or, you know, like, what is How a Sultan? How do you define Swing? How do it's we like define a, Sultan? Kind of, it's we not have a content king, for right? days, because... Nate. This is content for days. 
Let's start what with assault swing. Was? Well, no, let's start one? with swing. Let's start with what is swing? All right. I, I mean, I'm going to say traditionally understood as like, you know, the atrocious music with like big band and I hate it. Oh, um, man. It may be time for the Pope Cope. Oh, you can have <laughs> some Pope Cope. Or, or you can say, I mean, it's, it's more <laughs> like, it, you know, the sexual immorality version of like, you know, swinging couples or something. But I mean, I, I don't think um, I, I don't mean, think the Dire Straits song was about that. I think it just meant like you know it's an old time yeah, way of saying music. cool, like Wait, you know like oh. I, I thought it meant like swing like swing music like you know a couple steps away from jazz, which is also awful. I mean, well, some yeah some jazz is terrible. Um, but my son has really gotten started to get me into jazz. Like he's oh, he's, he's teaching no, me things. Send him for adoption. I mean he he's I mean he plays saxophone. What else is he going to do with a saxophone? You know, it's not like he's going to be in that saxophone. many rock and roll bands. Well, Bill Clinton, Clinton played the play saxophone. saxophone. <laughs> it's true. Maybe I could send my 14-year-old to the Clinton Global Initiative. And uh, no, that's terrible. I would never do that. Why? Why would I even say that? Um. And and Hillary, we love you. Please don't. Um. I I'm. And for the record, I'm not suicidal right now. Just just saying. Um. But, uh, yeah, Swing. So, like, I thought it was just, like, cool. Like, the Dire Straits song, We Are the Sultans, the Sultans of Swing. Now, their music is not necessarily Swing. So, if we're exegeting the Sultans of Swing properly, maybe they're using Swing in a different context. Because there are, you know, uh, there's a semantic range of meaning to all words, right? So... What do you think, Nate? I think I think the same thing. It's like you know, play that funky music, white boy. Is the white is the song they played ultimately the funky music that the white boy played, or is it unrelated? And they're just saying like you know, play that funky music, white boy, for um you know another time in another place. So just because Ooh. they are the Sultans of Swing and their music is not necessarily swing, um, they are still claiming to be the Sultans of Swing, like in another universe or something like that i gotcha and michael well, wait, I'm, trying, now, I'm trying to invite you up here michael um it, i'll keep trying it it doesn't seem to be working um, oh you can yeah just... go ahead chris and person who uh asked on discord if we if we had any questions go ahead and ask them because otherwise you clearly see what we are talking about um yeah go ahead chris oh just you know and then i guess we could move on to like what assault oh we lost him he got tired of us making fun no wait no he's down there well, uh, well, I mean, he blames it. well it's not a king because we still have like kings like the king of like saudi arabia right or something so it's like it's like a it's like a duke or a lord or like like some sort of noble that's like not to the level of king what is the difference between a duke and a lord i don't know ask google i'm i'm, tr- I'm trying to you're the too one many with the AI. you're asking the, you're asking the christian too many you have the ai too we all we all are ai we all are ai okay Hang on, I'm going to ask, but first he says, I blame the Council of Nicaea and Paul for your ignorance, while I blame Satan for yours. Um, but the, that's it, the Council of Nicaea, bro. Like, by the time you get to the Council of Nicaea, they say some stuff I agree with because they say it right out of the Bible. The Council of Nicaea, on its own, has nothing to do with my biblical understanding. Um, anything that I agree with what they say, they get directly from the Bible, which has everything to do with my understanding um, of God. So, no, it's it's not... It's not a problem with the Council of Nicaea. 
Um, anyway. Michael, I invited you again. Are you still not able to get up here? Uh, you throw me a green bean. I'll see where I can invite him. Yeah, this is going to, I mean, this is worse than moderating an atheist right now, but all right, Chris, let's invite right. Michael up. <laughs> see what happens. If this doesn't usher in the end of days. <laughs> and lo, it was when the green bean came down upon him that the four bowls were poured out. Michael, are you paying attention? Three of, oh, there you are. All right, Chris, I'm going to get you out of here real quick. Come back. Come back, Chris. Yes, yes. Well, hey, Michael, what's Sean, up? Sean's trying to come up now. Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? All is well, man. It's time to go to work. Do you, do you have well. any insights onto, like, the Sultans of Swing, what that means? The Sultans of Swing. Um, no, not right off the top of my head. No. Well, Sean is trying to come up too, Nate. Bring Sean up because he might have some insights on the Sultans of Swing. Oh, he may, but man, I, I got to get this guy a better microphone. Hang on, I'll I'll send an invite in a second. Um, I'm looking up your your other question, your your machine gunning questions. You'd be a good Muslim, Chris. Um, all right, Duke. This is all in the British system. They're both titles indicated by uh, indicating high societal status. But they hold two distinct positions and meanings. Oh, can you pull a Trinity analogy out of this? Ooh, okay. There you go. Um, all, right. all right, Duke. The highest hereditary rank. That means the one with the biggest houseboro jaw. Um, the highest and hereditary. The, and the most uh, hepatitis, I think. <laughs> go on. Uh, highest hereditary rank. Duke ranks highest among non royalty titles, surpassing Marquis, Earl, Viscount. Viscount, uh, and Baron. Limited number. There are only 24 non-royal dukedoms <laughs> in the British British peerage and seven royal dukedoms held by members of the royal family. Okay, this is too much. Um, wow. Okay, Lord. What is, wait, uh, I got more questions. We got, like, Viscounts and Marquis and... What is, what is I believe all it's, this? I believe it's Viscount, you dumb American. Yeah. This is why we rebelled. It was just, yeah. the, the, the whole system okay. was just too much. Okay, so... All right, let me just keep reading then since you have questions. All right, his, uh, historical significance. Dukedoms are often associated with historical importance or powerful dynasties. Titles are often named after geographical locations or significant names in history, like Vonford upon Stratford upon Worcestershire upon whatever. <laughs> Sorry, Brits. Um, okay, form of address dukes are addressed as your grace <laughs> your grace duke of and then the place the duke of blah 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 like the duke of wellington yeah the duke of beef wellington or simply your grace <clears throat> lord general term for nobility lord ooh, and it capitalizes it may may AI be stricken smitten i stricken oh my lord i cannot talk um, okay, uh, or, or the Brits. Okay, so Lord, capital L, is a broader term encompassing members of the peerage from Duke down to Baron. Different ranks with the term. Depending on the rank within the peerage, a Lord, lowercase now, could be a Duke, Marquis, Earl, Viscount, or Baron. Each rank has its own specific title and form of address, 
uh, form of address, uh, while some specific titles like Lord Chancellor or Lord Mayor hold specific uh, positions within government and local authorities, the term Lord itself doesn't necessarily indicate a rank or role. Um, in short, Duke is the highest non-royal hereditary rank, limited number, significant importance. Lord, broader term encompassing various ranks within the people. What is a p What is a peerage? I guess just a system or structure. Let's find out. Ah, um. <laughs> oh, the peerage. Come on, Bard. It's dude, it, it's getting worse now. I need another new AI. Like now it's getting like an, an woke update or it's getting too much information. So now it's trying to be it, it's starting to censor and it's also just being weird and quirky. It's like, ah, oh, the P-Ridge. Who keeps beeping at me? Oh, did Chris leave? Oh, Steph. Oh, it happened. I was in the middle of explaining the P-Ridge and British factions. And I look and you're here and he's not. Okay. Um, let's see. He was gone so before I got here. It. Oh, a fascinating and complex system embedded in the British history and society. To best delve into it. Oh, okay. Hang on. Last question. Who would win in a fight? Duke or Baron? <laughs> oh, it's going to tell me some nonsense about it's important to talk with words and not resort to physical violence. I have to be respectful and can't answer your question. I could ask it who's going to win between uh, Casey and Bills. Oh, too soon. I'm sorry. I got to go to the bathroom. Casey won. That was I know. <laughs> I know. Get off the stage, Sean. That's enough of you. Okay, that's enough playing with AI. All right, what's going on? Oh, by the way, <laughs> Steph, is that your is that your picture of morning? <laughs> yes, this is me. I am currently in morning. By the way, with the rest of Western New York. For the, uh, what? Wait, for your for your answer to the Duke. Well, I'm the Duke of Earth. Yeah, yeah. Nope. Duke, 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 Duke of Earth. <laughs> oh, hey. So, a person emailed me a looks like a ton of questions so i guess you can help me go through these things um okay Ooh, that's a lot okay um let me just read through this real fast uh, uh steph you ready to jump into serious church answering questions or do you want to no not uh, at all you want to rage over your uh, loss real fast i have a question about why god hates me <laughs> well i mean you know do you think if I was baptized, the Bills would have won? You should try it and see for next year. Yeah, maybe that'll do it. <laughs> that's that's probably the difference. Okay, so let's see. From a Muslim perspective, former Muslim perspective, um... I'm, I'm just reading through this real quick. Um, 
Okay, so my question is, when you are saved, what are the very first steps you have to take? Um, before you are ready to talk about Jesus with other people, and how do you exactly examine yourself to see if you are really saved? Uh, let's see. I have the feeling and the joy like I never experienced before, but I doubt myself sometimes that I may be delusional, specifically after talking to my friends, because uh, I realize I can't introduce Jesus to them as other Christians do. So the main question I'm hearing is, uh, how do you know you're really saved? And um, what are the first steps you got to take uh, before you're ready to talk about it? So as far as, as really saved, like I'll get the Bible verse as soon as someone else starts talking. But as far as how do you know you're really saved? Like, maybe I should have done that first. But in, in short, Jesus says he has the water of eternal life for anyone who wants it freely, without charge. I think that's Revelation 21, 6. He's like, I'll freely give this eternal life to anyone who wants it without payment. So it is completely free. It is completely open. Um, Peter and Paul, there's, uh, I think, Second Peter somewhere. It says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's like an absolute concrete statement. So the Bible also says in John, I think, no one can say Jesus is Lord uh, without, you know, without insight from the Holy Spirit and without being saved. And I don't mean like an atheist goes on YouTube and it's like, oh, Jesus is Lord, guess I'm saved. <laughs> but I mean like remotely serious, like in their heart, like saying it and believing it. So you said you've already repented. Um, so that means go the other way from, you know, whatever you were doing that was wrong, go the other way. So repent and believe. And uh, I, I would say that's it. And for the record, I was thinking about this recently. Um, not to do with your question, but I don't know, maybe it'll come up at some time. Someone was worried about, about um, you know, the blasphemy where it says that's the only unforgivable sin is blasphemy. And I was also thinking, because um, it's a case we kind of made bef before to this person. And I, I, I mean, if someone can find a hole in it, let me know. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you cannot be forgiven, right? Some people say you can't do that anymore because that was back for those specific people and the Pharisees when they did that. But for even for people who believe you still can blaspheme the Holy Spirit today, um, the Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're someone who is calling on the name of the Lord to be saved, if you're someone that says, Jesus, forgive me, save me, give me eternal life, make me born again, I want to follow you, then the Bible says that person will be saved. So if someone has truly blasphemed the Holy Spirit, they would not be calling in the name of the Lord, because if they called in the name of the Lord, they would be saved. So the only people, even if, if blaspheming the Holy Spirit is still possible today, um, the only people who could do it are people who will never call on the name of the Lord to be saved, because if they did, they would, but they can't, so they won't. Okay, anyway, sorry, I, I got off on a tangent there. But does anyone have anything to speak to that? So what's the very first thing you do, like after you repent, like before you're ready to like go tell people about Jesus, you know, like the airplane analogy, like you got to put the mask on yourself and, you know, take care of yourself before you can help other people. So before you go help other people, what's the what's the main thing you need to do for salvation? Because if you if you go into a religious room as a new Christian, you're going to learn about Calvinism, Arminianism, Catholicism, Orthodoxy. And all this other stuff, that's, that's, it's like blinders. It, it's just like nonsensical. Um, so what do you say, Sean? Uh, as, a, as a pastor, I would say start reading your Bible. Study your Bible. 
Come to Bible class. Come to prayer. Come and, 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 and learn and learn and study. That's what I did for three years. I even thought about going to a Bible college or anything. Or preaching or being allowed to preach. I went to sit down and shut up still. And just learn the scriptures. Pray and, 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 and study. That's it. Well, yes. I, I mean, yeah, sit down and read your whole Bible. I mean, it's not exactly expediting the process. <laughs> but, um, Steph, I know you're probably questioning your own salvation at this point, but <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're not. Might be. Okay, so so to the new person that just hears about Jesus, and they're like, yes, I. Jesus says, I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? Like, go read it for yourself. So kind of what Sean's saying, like, um, read the scriptures for yourself. So someone says, Jesus says you just need to do this. Well, then ask them for the chapter and verse. Go read it and see if that's what Jesus actually says to do. Um, <laughs> so, so start in the New Testament and just plow through it. Like, read everything Jesus says. So, like, here's a prophecy about it. Joel 2.32, and it shall come to pass where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, Romans 10.13 echoes the prophecy. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts 2.22, echoing Joel the prophet, and it shall come to pass where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, so, I, I guess the easiest answer, because it's turning into like a 10-minute monologue, is the very basics, what we just said, right? So if you've prayed to Jesus, ask him to save you, forgive you, give you eternal life, make you born again, you repent of your sins, don't do them again. I mean, you're going to mess up, you're going to fail, but that's what Jesus is for. There's one mediator between God and man, that's Jesus. Um, so you will sin, but don't make a habit of it. So if you had a, a habitual lying problem or stealing problem, stop it. That doesn't mean you may never like tell a lie again. But um, that's the point. It's living a life of repentance, where if you do, you don't run away from God. Um, you run to God. And it's like, oh, Lord, forgive me. I messed up again. Help me. Anyways, if you've got that, if you believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and you ask for eternal life, you've got it. So at that point, there's there's nothing else to, to do to share that with people. Like, um, sometimes almost less is more. So so if you're not like the greatest apologist or you don't have an answer to every single question or someone asks a simple question, you ramble on like I am, um, none of that matters. Like the correct answer is all that matters. So, you know, in Christianity, we believe that's the correct answer. So if someone starts talking about secondary or tertiary issues, telling you that, well, you actually have to um, you have to be baptized to be saved or you have to do this or you have to be saved in a certain kind of church or, or something like that. It's all nonsense forget all of that. That's the best advice I could give for a new Christian is stay in, in the New Testament and stay in the first century church. So anytime someone says something about a church father or succession, just just go straight back to the Bible. By the time we talk about succession, and I, I mean, there's some in the New Testament, but by, by the time we talk about succession the way they mean, um, or church fathers, that's already way later than, than the gospel, than the first century church. So stay there. That's all that matters. It's like the other guy in chat a minute ago who had the problem with us uh, talking about how the, he blames the Council of Nicaea for messing up Christianity and why we can't follow God or something like that. That's already 300 years too late. Like, stop the Council of Nicaea stuff. Go all the way back to the very beginning, to the New Testament, where Jesus is, where Jesus talks, where the disciples talk, where you see the very first church and how they operated. That's it. 
And the good thing is it's very, very simple. Jesus says, you know, my, my, my yoke is easy and burden is light. You don't need to be a PhD in theology. You don't need to be a religious scholar. You just need to have an open, sincere heart and mind and call on the name of the Lord. Steph, say something holy. Uh, is this like an email question that you got from the podcast? But say yes. Oh, my kid's just about to do a thing. Um, I think that, I think at a certain point, there's like, you just have to have faith that God's promises are true. You know, um, once you've got a grasp on the gospel and once you've said the sinner's prayer and once you're, you know, you're in that space of like, I am a Christian. And then you start wondering like, well, how do I really know? Um, that's where, yeah, you just have to have faith that the promises are true, which is easier said than done. Uh, if it's something you worry about, you know? But I don't know who asked the question or what they're actually struggling with. So that's when you were reading it, that's a kind of, you know, that's what I was thinking. Well, yeah, it sounds like someone who's like a very new convert and they're trying, they feel, you know, they know the Great Commission, how they're supposed to go tell people about Jesus. Uh, but it seems like maybe they're trepidatious uh, about it, maybe because of where they live or something. Um, so so they, they know Jesus, they believe in Jesus, they trust Jesus, and they also believe they should be sharing Jesus with other people. But either um, like because there's not a lot of churches or it's like a heavily non-Christian area where they're in, that it makes it, it's kind of like, oh, what was it? Like crypto Christians, I think. I think someone in, was it India or Egypt or somewhere said that was a thing? It was like crypto Christians. I'm like, what's that? I never heard of it. I'm like, you mean like Coptic? They're like, no, crypto. I'm like, the currency? Um, apparently, yeah. So it's like Christians who are not really about the Great Commission, like in spirit they are. But in reality, it's like basically because they don't want to die. So they, you know, try to blend in very much with the non-Christian culture, not like doing sins and stuff like that. But um, they, they don't like let their light shine so much. And I'd say that's a matter of personal conviction, right? So, you know, we are told that we are supposed to share our faith um, and, and tell everyone else, and, you know, fear God who can, fear not man who can only destroy the body, but fear God who can, you know, basically destroy the body and soul and cast everyone into hell. Um, and that's easier said than done, right? If you're in a nice, peaceful place where you can do that, it's like, oh, I don't fear man, ah, ha, ha, because you have like freedom of speech or something like that. Um, but if you're in a place where, you know, like in the first century church, where they were being fed to lions in the Roman Colosseum for their faith, then it becomes a little more, uh, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I believe I should be telling people about my faith, but I don't want to get, I don't want to be lion food either. Um, so that I, I'm not going to judge those people if, they, if they're a little quieter. But I will say, you know, we have like Daniel in the lion's den and, and you see how that went. So, you know, because of this person's faith, um, in the midst of being fed to lions, um, you know, the angel shut the mouth of the lions and he hung out with them and, and didn't get eaten. And because of that, lots of people turned to God. Um, but on the other hand, if someone's like, no, no, I just won't pray. I just won't pray out loud. I beg, well, I'm not, I'm not going to judge that person. Okay. I had missed, yeah, well said. I had missed the context of the question, but the person who asked it clarified. Uh, okay. Here's what, here's what someone very wise told me. Um, this is one of my good friends, but she's also a devout Roman Catholic. Okay. So if this is not something, whatever, if it's not from God, let it fall away. Um, she said that the call to martyrdom is a very, and martyrdom, not, not necessarily just meaning being burned at the stake, right. But facing 
danger and peril um, for the purpose of spreading the gospel, um, whether this is like the loss of a job or the loss of um, life, you know, and everything in between, loss of family. She said the call to martyrdom is very clear and it feels like an invitation. So people who end up becoming some element of martyr um, have have peace about this. Like they're, they're, this is their mission. This is what they're going on. This is their purpose in life. The Lord grants them both strength and peace to do it. Um, so she would always say that down to the very littlest things in your life, it will feel like an invitation and not a goad, not a threat right? Like, oh my gosh, if I don't tell this person on the street, I live in a really dangerous country. And if I don't tell this person on the street, then it means I'm not saved or that I'm not following the great commission or something is wrong with my faith. Um, that kind of like threat is not, is not going to be from the Lord, right? If you're in a situation where you're like, wow, I really might put my job at risk, but I know that the Lord just wants me to share this with some, with this person right now. Um, that's an invitation. So she, I don't know if that helps you, but she would always sort of describe it and sort it out that way. So yeah, that's, that's what I would say to this specific situation. <clears throat> I agree with that. Hey, serendipity. Welcome. Good morning, all. How are you? Oh, good. How about yourself? Well, it's Monday. All things considered, I'm good. <laughs> but I'd just like to remind you, it is Monday. It is Monday. There's a country song about that, right? It's like uh, something, something like had a ball on the weekend and it's all over now and it sure is Monday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a sad country song, go figure. I'm going to slay this Monday. What's your advice for new believers? Read your Bible and never talk to any other Christians. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not the answer. But but really, like you you gotta you gotta know what the Bible says. So read the New Testament. I mean, in a perfect world where you have time, like just start the very beginning in Genesis one one and just read the entire Bible. But Actually, if you're looking, huh? You gonna say start, John? Uh, no, no, I wasn't. I was gonna say actually, my advice to new believers is to um. <clears throat> get uh the rose book of uh bible charts maps and timelines because it's a very nice simplified overview of the bible as a whole um it gives like just a really short synopsis of what every book in the bible is about it kind of lays out some uh bible story specific timeline it gives a really good overview understanding without them digging into um the meat of the word and then i feel like once they've kind of gone through that and they have like this high level overview um then is when i think that they should really just dig into the scripture and do the study for themselves and as far as salvation like you know if you're getting an overview of genesis and you get struck by lightning you're bound <laughs> to hell just as much as anyone else so i would say you know in matter in, in order of importance Oh, of um, course. This is after salvation. Yeah, yeah, and we're, and we're talking about the same thing. Like, my, I, I guess my my thought where my mind is going is basically like new Christians. Like, you know, it's like uh, in, in the Bible, the parables, where it's like, you know, some like hear 
you know, they hear the word, they hear the gospel and like gladly uh, like receive it and all this. But mm-hmm. then like, you know, it fell in rocky soil and it goes away. The devil steals it or, you know, cares of this world getting get in the way. So I'm thinking because if you're a new Christian and you're in clubhouse, God help you. Um, oh, I agree. <laughs> because you're going to you're going to I, I mean, if you go to any rooms besides this one. <laughs> Um, but because you're gonna you're gonna find all kinds of different views on Christianity, and it, it, if you really aren't solid in your faith and know what you believe and why you believe it, then you can easily get sucked into all kinds of nonsense. And the the level of which nonsense is coming at you is oftentimes faster than you can go check it in the Bible. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say like as a new believer, just start in start in New Testament and just plow through everything Jesus Jesus says. And then everything the rest of, you know, the disciples say, because they're just echoing the same thing Jesus says. So it makes it rather, I believe, unmistakable. But the main point is if you believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead. um, And you confess Jesus as Lord and ask him to save you, forgive you, make you born again and give you eternal life. That is it. Now, if you get struck by lightning, congratulations. It's the best thing that ever happened to you. Because you are saved, you have eternal life, and you are in the presence of the Lord. So anything that happens beyond that, any other scholarship, any other books, any other other stuff, it's just extra. And if you ever get confused or something doesn't sound right, always return to those few points because that is all that ultimately matters. If that's the only thing you hear, that's the only thing you need to hear. And that's what we call the milk of the word. Um, which, you know, the, uh, Paul does encourage people to get on the meat of the word, which is more doctrines and, and fleshing things out, you know, like the, like the Trinity and, um, you know, like, like all the big words you hear thrown around on stage, like, you know, the hypostasis, hypostatic union, uh, theophany, Christophany, all this stuff, like it's going deeper. You're learning more about your faith. You're seeing references of Jesus in the Old Testament and all that. But if you never know what any of that is before you leave this life, mm-hmm. you're fine. You're yeah. just as saved as, you know, any other person. You're just as saved as Peter. <laughs> you're just, you're going to be just in heaven, just as much as Paul. You're going to yeah. be in heaven just as much as, well, maybe Steph. <laughs> what? I'll stop giving you a hard time. I know you're in mourning. <laughs> I am in mourning. Give me a break. Anyway, that's where I was going, serendipity. So, yeah, just be be ready, like, whenever you hear stuff that doesn't sound right, to check it against scripture. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think Clubhouse is probably one of the worst places in the world for new believers because Clubhouse has this innate ability to just really point out the inability of Christians to just get along. <laughs> I mean, it's the Christian clubhouse leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. And and also like, you know, whenever, you know, whenever you do share the gospel with people, if they start asking hard questions, remember it's not your ability. And if you, through your, like, you know, um, it is through your ability to, to like be incredibly convincing and people are like, wow, you speak so amazing. And, that makes lots of sense, and that's very logical and reasonable. Um, someone else with those same skills can unconvince them just as easy. So it's not your job to convince anyone. 
it's your job to just share Christ with people. And, you know, it's only if God's drawing that person and, you know, they respond to that, that they're going to be saved and it's going to stick. Um, if it's anything done by you or me or any, anyone like that alone, um, then if we can convince someone into Christianity, someone else convince them, can convince them right out of it just the same. So God has to be in it. The good thing is that's not that's above our pay grade. <laughs> Jesus says, just share the gospel. So that's all we're called to do. And if we believe in God, like we say we believe in God, then he's got it. He is more than capable of taking over and having exactly what he wants done to be done. So if you're like, hey, I'm a new Christian. Here's how you can have eternal life. And they're like, oh, really? Explain the Trinity. You have one minute. I'll wait. Go. Explain everything about the Trinity. And you're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know about the Trinity. Like, I, I don't know. Like, you know, it's, it's God, but your Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God. And they're like, oh, you're a dumb Christian, blah, blah, blah. Let it roll off your back. That's where the New Testament says, you know, the Great Commission. He says he sent the disciples out, and he says, go to the houses and stay with them and teach them. And if they want to learn, if they are sincere and want to learn, then tell them. If they, like, are mockers and scoffers and don't want to learn, shake the dust from your feet and leave that person to their fate. And then they have to answer to God. So it's not a good position to be in um, for them. So, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, a lack of knowledge is not, is not a problem. Like, the only thing you need to be knowledgeable of is what, you know, we keep talking about. The death, burial, resurrection, Jesus is God. He died for your sins. He rose from the dead. If you believe that, ask him for eternal life. Stop watching YouTube videos. Stop arguing with people. Pray directly to Jesus, asking him those things and repenting of your sin. And if you do that, Jesus will respond. You will have eternal life. Congratulations. And if they don't want that, go to someone else. Someone says, I agree. I almost got swindled away into Seventh-day Adventism. Was it the meat thing that kept you from joining their cult? <laughs> Not eating meat? Sean, you got anything to say about this that you haven't already said? Oh, he gone. I think he keeps he swiping. Le he swiped yeah. left. <laughs> Sean, you're back, right? What's up? The bottom line is leave the gospel, pray every day, read your Bible. And you'll grow, grow, grow. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for the Sunday school reference. <laughs> but that's it. And it's about to get noisy because I'm in this truck. So let me go back. Steph, are you dealing with kids or uh, no, are back you all out of encouragement? Back channels on Clubhouse? No, Discord. Oh. Wait, with my person or yeah. did you find your own? Oh. Well, bring that here. I'm up here trying to monologue like. <laughs> oh, sorry. We went down this whole thing about, okay, here's, here's the topic that is um, on the, on the table now. Uh, when, when, cause I had said the thing about like how martyrdom feels like an invitation and not a threat, right. Or ought to. Uh, so then the question was, well, how, do, how do you kind of know when God is telling you to do something? Um, so 
Yeah, I'm maybe that's a good topic, right? Like someone like Connie will describe this phenomenon like there's no doubt, right? She'll say that the Lord had told her to do something. Um, and then she would say no or ignore it or wait. And then this, bless you, honey. And then this would like, whatever, it, <laughs> whatever it was, would just continue nagging at her and nagging at her and nagging at her. And she'll sort of describe situations where like, she has this one story about how she was in the car. Um, she was driving and she picked up a hitchhiker because bless you, because she felt that the Lord told her to pitch up, pick up the hitchhiker. And then she just started giving the gospel to this guy sort of out of nowhere. It didn't come up in conversation. She just said that her mouth just started going. And then uh, there was some crazy thing where she ended up, she ended up being told like she should tell the story, but she says something like the Lord gave her his address and she brought him to where he wanted to go, but he hadn't told her where he wanted to go. Um, And so she, she just, she will describe this story as this like incredibly overt series of events. Um, so what I'm telling this person is like, God doesn't, it's not like God lays little tiny booby traps along the path. And now you have to like sniff out and find them. And if you miss a booby trap, you fail the test. It's like the Lord will make it so clear when he wants you to do something. Um, and in the Christian walk, there is a lot of discerning and questioning and seeking and prayer and silence. Like there are many things I have prayed for in my life for direction or for, comfort or for healing or for whatever. And I've received silence, right? So I'm, I'm not saying that that's not a thing. What I'm saying is the times in my life, and I think other people like Connie who describe it, there, there will be like, um, a really irrefutable, uh, kind of event, a sensation, a series of events, something that comes together where you're just like, okay, that this is something I can no longer avoid. So I guess I'm, I'm wondering how other people see God move in their lives um, and how they discern directions God wants them to go in. I I would say I, I take quantity and um, qual- I guess quality of of the intuition. But I mean, the Bible talks about spiritual uh, discernment, right? In First Corinthians uh, fourteen or something, I think Paul talks about spiritual discernment and using God's wisdom versus man's wisdom. So I I'll also take that with like Romans fourteen, right? Like if if something. I don't know. Or if I, if I feel impressed, like, uh, if there's a homeless person, right. And, and the, there's really no risk. It's only potential reward. So if there's like a homeless person and I'm like, well, I usually don't like giving, you know, homeless people money because, you know, I mean, the the common thing is, well, if you give a homeless person money, then they can use it for like drugs or liquor or something that's going to harm them further. So I usually don't, I I prefer to give them like, you know, food or, or like go buy buy food. Or if I'm going by them and I like pick up my dinner, then I'll pick up something else and like drop off food or something like that. I don't know. Uh, it's been a while since I've done it, <laughs> but what's well, been a while since I've seen homeless people anyway. Um, but if there's something where it's very low risk, like, Hey, you know, give this person five bucks. I'm like, eh, okay. I don't need to think about that too long because there's relatively low risk. Or if it's like, Hey, this uh, person who's been struggling, uh, you know, go offer them an encouragement, encouraging word. And I feel like God is saying that. Um, then I'm like, okay, well, there's really no risk. Like, I know they're a Christian. They're probably just going to smile and say thank you, even if I miss the mark or it doesn't apply. And they're like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. But, I mean, they're going to get it. So there's no risk. If it's something like, hey, go share Jesus with this uh, police officer in this country where sharing Jesus is illegal and, you know, you're going to get, like, murdered, I'd be like, okay, well, there's obviously very high risk. So it's like, I'll happily do this, but I better know it's from God. So I don't know if like, you know, Jesus needs to like appear before me in, in like spiritual form or I need to hear an audible voice 
But I mean, you know, if God says it, I'm totally going to do it. But I better be very, very, very sure before I do that because, uh, you know, the risk is, is quite high. So, you know, don't know whether that's right or wrong, but that's kind of how I do things. Um, but again, more importantly, it's not like if you don't do something like that, like you're going straight to hell because you already believe the main things, right? So don't let anyone say, oh, you got to do it this way or you're not saved or blah, blah, blah. That's all nonsense. This is working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So even if there was something that, you know, you, I mean, look how many people like straight up disobeyed God. It's not good. You don't want to do that. But especially in this circumstance where you're not sure um, if you make the wrong choice, like if you feel like you should do something and you don't do it. I mean, if you're not even sure it's the right choice, none of that matters. So I always want to say there's like no eternal risk, no matter what you do in this situation. So don't worry about that. But in trying to follow Jesus as close as you can, yes, it, I do believe uh, that the Holy Spirit lives, lives in us as Christians and guides us into truth and understanding. So we certainly want to be in the will of God and do what he says. So if that makes you feel like you should give someone food or, you know, give someone a hug or good conversation or do something where the risk is really high, then you got to work that out yourself. But for me, that's how I do it. Like, yeah, I will totally do this. Don't care what the consequences, but I better be really sure it's you telling me to do this. That's what I think. Yeah. And I think that's what I said. Well, like one of the, one of the prayers I will pray is like, Lord, you know me and I am dumb and I'm an overthinker. So if you want me to do this thing, you have to make it super clear. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick up on it unless you make this really, really obvious. Uh, like one of the things that I um, have an example of here is like, you know, something small. Um, we sponsor three kids through compassion and with each of those kids, you know, and we started sponsoring our first child through compassion. He's 15. Now we started sponsoring him 10 years ago. Um, and it was like, we had no money. Our water was getting shut off. Like we, it just was early in our marriage and life was rough and student loans and everything. Right. We had this crappy apartment and uh, I don't even know how it came up. Somehow this little ad for compassion came up, maybe on a blog I was reading or Bible website or I don't know. But I saw this little boy's face and I just, I couldn't get his face out of my mind. Um, and, and I just, I remember thinking like I should sponsor that child. And then everything logical was like, dude, you cannot spend $40 a month sponsoring a child. Like that would be your internet bill, which you don't even have. You're mooching off the neighbor. Like there are so many... <laughs> Right. There are so many more responsible things to do with $40 than helping this kid. Right. And it, it weighed on me. And I was having all these thoughts about like, I couldn't unsee his face, but then I'm asking like, Lord, am I just becoming obsessed with this? Am I feeling guilt? Is this even healthy? What do you want? And this, this little boy's face is just in my mind and in my mind and in my mind. Um, and so my husband and I prayed over it together and we, the, the stakes felt high because it's like, we were really broke. We didn't have $40 a month. Um, and also the thought of like, well, if this doesn't work, I can just cancel it. You can't, you can't do that to a five-year-old in the Philippines, right? Like his family is going to get this notice that he's been sponsored and then to undo it, right? Then he goes to the top of a list of kids whose sponsor bailed. And so it would impact his life. It's not like, oh, I'll just cancel that later. So the stakes felt really high and it felt really irresponsible, but it was just on my brain constantly. And my husband and I prayed over it and we were like, 
we can't live with it. Like, you know, we can't, we can't keep going wondering we're going to do it. So we took on baby Zach in the Philippines 10 years ago. Um, and the Lord made a way like every month we got exactly some extra or we had this much, we had $40 left over, like the number 40 just kept on. And I know this is starting to sound a little kooky, but it was like, it, it just worked out. Um, and now we have two more compassion kids and the same thing happened each time where it's like, I saw a little girl named Erica on an ad and was like, okay, she has the same birthday as my daughter. We're going to take on Erica. Right. And so it's like, that's how it looks in my life where I have to pray like, Lord, if this is not what you want me to do, you better erase this kid from my mind. You better, better let me forget the whole thing. Da, 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 da. And he doesn't, he wouldn't, he didn't. Um, so, you know, we get letters from Zach and I know the compassion program is phenomenal and, and I know that his life has been improved. So it's not like I'm wondering what good came of it, but it is like, that was such a major lesson in leaning on the Lord for something so tangible and scary like money and like someone else sort of relying on you, um, when you don't feel that you have capability in either of those areas. So to make a very long story short, that's an example where it's like the, the Lord just wouldn't let me go with that. It was just persistent. So I don't know. It's kind of kind of a funny example, but that's sort of the way it tends to work for me. You know, I used to live right next uh, down the road from uh, like one of the directors of Compassion International. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Yeah. In, in Colorado. It's a great program. If If you guys are not already familiar, Compassion is just a phenomenal program. They show you where all the money goes and it's, it's uh, like we used to do, um, what was it? World vision, but we switched to compassion when comparing fi- like the actual, how much of the money goes to the family. Um, and then the nice thing about compassion is that it will uplift an entire community. So if one child in the community or two or three kids in the community get sponsored, it all goes into this, um, like, um, what do you call it? Like a community center where they have church. And so one thing is that Zach, now he's older, he's 15. He's not writing to us about his favorite colors anymore. He'll tell us about his life a little bit. And he'll say, oh, my friends at the center, right? This is like a center run by Christians and they provide after-school programs and nutrition to all the kids. So I don't know. If you've never looked into the Compassion Program, it is the best $40 a month I've ever spent. I highly recommend checking it out. And good morning, Johnny. Football as well. Are there any follow-ups in in chat, Steph, for you? Uh, no, everyone was silent during my TED talk. Oh, no, I meant your your other Discord chat or whatever. Oh yeah, let me look. Apparently, they've nope. traded me for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this person I had this person had reached out a little while ago. So as soon as I said, I don't know who asked the question, they said, Oh, it was me. And I said, Oh, okay, yeah, no, that I understand now. The fun thing about helping to host Ask a Christian is that, I don't know if this happens to you, Nate, but I get back channels in the text. When Clubhouse had the text channel, it would happen a lot more. Um, But now if people find us on Discord, I get back channels a lot from a lot of people that will say really encouraging, amazing things. So I know this room will often have drama or nonsense or whatever, um, but there's a lot of good that's been done out of this room. I actually know of five people who've come to faith in this room. Um, Maybe not completely because of this room, but this has been a factor for them. I know of a couple of people who didn't, like this was their first access to Christianity. Um, I know of a couple of people who had issues that they had been struggling with for years that we discussed on this stage that 
um, they suddenly felt not alone and like they could go forward and um, research it more confidently or not feel like they have to hide it or not feel like they're struggling alone. Uh, so yeah, it is really, 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 really cool to get messages like that. And, and probably about once a month, I'll get some, somebody popping up with something like that. It's really awesome. Well, awesome. You must be more approachable um, than me. <laughs> I, I very rarely get messages, good or bad, which is, you know, sucks for the good, but for the bad, I mean, that's, that's good that I don't get a lot of bad stuff either. People just, just ignore me and go straight to you. <laughs> well, I should say, let me think. There are three examples I can think of that were men off the top of my head, but I think most are women. So that would, I guess that would make sense that if like a, you know, like I had someone who was struggling in her marriage come to me and say that I had said something on a stage that gave her a lot of encouragement. So, you know, I guess that would probably come to me over you if it's a woman who's got the situation. You want to know how to struggle in your marriage? Tell your man you're struggling in your marriage. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Morning Monday. Yes, that's correct, Charles. Sad about the bills. Everyone yeah. is sad about the bills because everyone hates Kansas City. Hey, I'm not Oops, sad about the bills. Ignore Bob. Pastor oh. Sam. Pastor Sam is happy today, Steph. Uh, I cannot even show my face in that room after all the trash I talked on Friday. Steph, <laughs> it is funny. I'm not going to say it's because I was watching that they won, but I mean, you know, it's the first game of the whole season because, you know, if I had to pick it, uh, you know, Casey is like my hometown, like I grew up around there. So, so they're, they're definitely my hometown. Um, but I mean, I, I really don't care about sports. Um, but if I did, I, I'd pick the chiefs, uh, you know, among like one. Oh, who muted Nate? Wow. That was really rude. Whoever did that. Oh, D don't suffer a witch to live. Steph, how long, how long have I been muted? <laughs> Anyways. I, I, I said it the second I did it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what you have mute. I don't even have mute. Like, if I try to mute you right now, I don't even think I can. Oh, like, that's I so have, sad. Uh, wow. I have the buttons. Oh. Why do you not have control over your own did Steph, Wait, did Steph swipe, swipe left? Did, did you wow, this is getting petty, mate. That's just petty. Wait, did that drop you? Like, no, I, I wasn't it's trying to do that. <laughs> oh, hang on. I, no, I wasn't even trying. Oh, see. I, I legit wasn't even trying to do that. I was trying to click on the three dots and Playing tell dirty you. like Kansas City, just like his team. Mm -hmm. No, I was trying to click on the dots, except it did show mute. But for a lot of people, it doesn't show mute. Like, it just says I have to, like, remove them or block them, but it won't even give me a mute option. And like you, like, it showed me a mute option, but then it went away. It showed me mute for, like, two seconds, and then it went away. Okay, anyways, the point is, um, I, don't care, I don't care about football. Um, football sucks. Sports suck. It's hard to get excited for people making more money than we'll ever see combined. Um, but if I had to, it would be the Chiefs. So I, I typically start watching the last few playoff games in the Super Bowl. Um, so yesterday is the first one of the season I really watched, and they beat the Bills. So I'm sorry. If I wanted to be petty, I, I would poke extra fun at you. Okay, you. I did not do anything that time. Did you swipe? No, that up? time I swiped. I'm sorry. That was terrible. Okay. Funny. So I, I, it would really be petty if I said something like, um, not only did you lose, but it's the first game I actually paid attention to, and that's why you lost. But I won't say that. Yeah. Great. We should, we should go back to talking about Jesus. 
I'm rooting against the Chiefs the rest of the season. Who are they playing next? Are they playing the Lions next? No, they play uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. They play the Ravens. Okay, I'm a, I'm a Ravens fan now. <laughs> That's still East Coast. Yeah, I just, I just hate the Chiefs. Never more, never I can't more. stand. Why? I just can't stand Mahomes' face. That's a like, <laughs> I just that can't. One funny movie with uh, with uh, <laughs> Vincent Price and Peter Lorre. The classic. You just have to watch it. Both the Ravens. Steph, you know Bob, Charles. Real quick, did, Charles. On that, the conspiracy theory is that everybody. Okay, the refs keep helping Kansas City because they want Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. That's the that's the theory I'm subscribing to here. Did Bob raise his hand so much that you accidentally approved him, or did you? Break I did. Down that's exactly what happened. Yes. <laughs> okay. Knowing that's the case, do you want to honor what you did by someone like browbeating you to force you into giving them what they want? Or does that irk you enough to just kick them for that? Wait, what? Reword your question. Um, Bob badgered you enough until you finally gave in. No, it's that, okay, when I hear the hand raise sound, I will usually just automatically let them up. But then I, I saw it was Bob, and so I rejected it a couple of times. But then the third time it tricked me. Like, I just... I just hit okay, and that was my mistake. And so does that make you feel a certain way, like you'd like to correct the error of your ways, and like you, like where you uh, would have no. been charitable to Bob? No, I have, no, been... I have no conviction about this whatsoever. So like where you would have been charitable, like you're, you're still just as charitable, even though he like deceived you by hitting that button so darn much? Um, yeah, yeah, that. You know what I'm really sad about? Okay, can I say yes to David? Is that cool? Sure, I said yes to David. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, I was so I was all ready with Chris Raw Bingo. For those of you in the Discord, we were ready to go. We had our boards ready to go. <laughs> Everybody had the link. There was going to be a twenty-five dollar cash prize to the winner of Chris Raw Bingo. But for those of you who don't know, uh, Chris has. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Committed, uh, devoted himself to the idea that he will never share a stage with me ever again. So if we are to play Chris Robingo, I cannot be here. I'm so bummed out. That's the worst. That's the worst punishment possible. You, you could you could like listen as like a Nate guest, like from the Discord link, which oh, would allow you, know, you to listen true. and participate. That's true. But then I couldn't use Discord anymore. I would have to stay in that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, or I could get a burner and listen in. Um, but any of you who are not in the Discord, please join, because we will be taking the opportunity at some point to play Chris Rabingo. Why didn't you get the board? I don't know, Lynn. It's in the Discord. Here. But as you know, we don't like to talk about people when they're not here. No, okay. All right. This is if... Uh, here's the thing. Chris, I'm sure, already has the link to this bingo board. And I'm sure that although it would be, it would make him mad that I made it, uh, this is all stuff that he would find very funny. This is not us actually saying that Chris is a terrible person. These are things that commonly come out of Chris's mouth. And so we're going to utilize it as an opportunity for someone to win 25 bucks. What's wrong with that? I feel no conviction about that either, for the record. Hey, David, what's up, David? How's life? <laughs> life is good. 
Hey, good morning to everybody. Uh, Nate, Steph, everybody on the panel. Hope you can hear me. Yes. Yeah, I have a, I have a question. It's just kind of been been buzzing around in my head for a while. And I just wanted to ask, I'm going to just get to straight to the question. Is there a biblical precedence or for the, I'm calling it a humanist you know, phrasing, for the idea of forgiving yourself? Is there a is there a biblical what? presence for the for the idea of forgiving yourself? I can't think of anything in the Bible where it says you thou shalt forgive yourself, but I mean it seems I mean it seems to logically follow very easy without forcing it. Because I mean, if you're a person, then you count for needing forgiveness. So it, it just logically follows, I think. Um, if anyone else can can think of a more biblical way to string that together, but it, I, I mean, if you have to forgive everyone, I mean, how much? Even in our culture, like even if you say it's a cultural way that we talk about it, and we understand it. Um, it's like, well, you got to forgive yourself and move on. You know, dust yourself off, move on, pick yourself up, pick yourself up, and try again. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to say yes, even though there's not an explicit scripture that says it. Um, I mean, we talk about it constantly, and I would never push back against it for saying no, no, no. You cannot forgive yourself. Right? Well, no. I mean, if Christ can forgive us and other people can forgive us, well, yes, we can forgive ourselves. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> Forgiveness is directed, is connected to the atonement, correct? Well, in the eternal scheme, like Christ forgives us, it says, you know, like also, like, I mean, it definitely talks about forgiving other people. So if I forgive you for a wrong you committed against me, I, I'm mm. not like, I'm not sacrificial lamb, like making atonement for you. I'm just saying, okay, that wrong you gave me, you know, it was unjust, it was undue, um, but I'm going to forgive you. So, I mean, no, I mean, you could say the atonement is tied forgiveness for Jesus, but, you know, the, the atonement, like eternally, you know, eternally forgiven and cool with God has nothing to do with our forgiveness of someone that has every bit for like, you know, natural human means. Like if, if we, for, if people forgive people, that's just for human sake. All right. Not, right. Is that what you were saying? Kind of, kind of. Cause a lot of people use it for hurt and for getting over some, some of the ways that they've been, they've been done or treated or some wrong that has been done to them and they're trying to outlive the pain or, or whatnot. So I guess what people would say, well, you kind of have to forgive yourself. And I guess what, I, what I'm trying to find is, is there a, a more accurate way of, of saying that as opposed to using that as a way? So because if you forgive yourself, you'd have to admit that you did something wrong or I could be wrong in this thing. But just the way I'm thinking it, I forgive people who've done me wrong. So if I'm the victim of some wrong that's been done to me, what do I forgive myself of? And then how do I atone for that? Or do I have the authority to atone for my own wrongdoing? Well, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's the same way okay. that you're, no, it's the same way you'd, for, I'd forgive you for, you know, doing something unjust and evil against me. I beg, Hey, I'm not, I'm not atoning or sacrificing for you. I'm just saying, Hey, you know, I forgive you. We can move past this. I'm not going to hold this against you any longer, even though I'd be perfectly just to do so. 
um, regardless of if you repent or not. Like it's, and you've also heard people say like forgiveness is, uh, is more for you than the other person. I think that's, I don't know about that, but it's, it's easy enough to get what they're saying. It's like, okay, fine. Because, you know, like we're told, um, you know, what was, uh, was it Simon the sorcerer? Or I don't know, someone, um, Peter, um, Peter or Paul confronted in Acts, um, Acts 8 or 10, where uh, he says, um, he sees him doing miracles and says, I want to do this too. And he says, okay, thanks. Thank you. And the apostles confront him and say, I see, I see you have a spirit of bitterness. Well, I mean, it's very easy to get bitter if you hold on to unforgiveness and unforgiveness hardens your heart. And, you know, Jesus also says, he commands us. He's like, look, if, if, uh, if you were forgiven much, so you forgive. It's like, you know, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. So be very, very quick to forgive, even though it can also be very, very hard to do. But on that same vein, it's like, well, realize you're forgiven before God, like God himself, Jesus forgives you of your sin. So if someone says something mean to you or does something bad to you, it should be very, very easy um, in light of eternity for you to kind of, it should be easier in light of that to forgive that person. If you're like, oh, they made me mad. They did this. They hurt me. They did something really bad and atrocious to me. Yes, but you have eternal life because God forgave you when he didn't have to. It was a gift. So now you get to enjoy eternity. So um, it should be easier for you to forgive this person. And yes, it, it it can be a freeing experience. And if you don't, if you hold on to unforgiveness, you can be like the, the guy in Acts 8 um, who had the spirit of bitterness about him. And you're not getting better, you're getting bitter. So there's all kinds of cliches around it, but I don't think they're wrong. So, you know, forgiveness, uh, yes, you can forgive yourself. Um, I mean, you know, like there's all kinds of stuff, like make a bad choice. Like if you make, if, if you know, uh, like the Bible calls it sin. If you know to do, good, if you know something to do that's good, and you don't do it, that's sin. That's so right. if, so like, like Steph, perfect example. Um, if she <laughs> telling her, tell her, no, no, she did good, good job, Steph. Um, well done. But if she, when she was telling that story about the kid she sponsored, if she <laughs> would have thought, no, I'm just that's forty bucks. That's too much. We could have, we could have bought like a whole ton of food with that for our family. Lots of ramen noodles, whatever. So she cut off the payment for that kid she was sponsoring. And then found out, like, because that the kid didn't get a shot or medicine he needed and died, she'd be like, oh, she would have been, like, devastated. Um, and then, yeah, she's going to, like, be hard on herself, like, for a long, long time um, unless she realizes, okay, uh, yeah, Steph, that was very bad. That was stupid. Yeah, maybe you didn't know it was going to happen. But still, like, y- she just hates herself until she comes to the point where it's like, okay, Christ has forgiven me. You know, I knew to do good. I didn't do it. I messed up this kid's, like, you know, his whole family. I, I you know, I pray God has mercy on all this other stuff. Like, regardless, God has forgiven me uh, of this bad thing. I knew that was good, but I didn't do it. God's forgiven me. I have to forgive myself also. Because um, why am I going to keep punishing myself if Jesus is not? So what you're saying is, no, there is no specific biblical uh, platform for it, but but it's understood. It should be un- understood. I think so. I mean, we have Sean up here too, who is a teacher of the word. Sean, what do you think about that? It's it's good advice, but not necessarily biblical, or it's quasi biblical. It is quite biblical to forgive oneself because I, that's the hardest person. And you were crying, that's the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Um, bottom line is 
When you ask the Lord to forgive you of what you did, but you can't forgive yourself, that's not logical. That's not logical at all. So, so Go ahead, Dave. I'm I was I would say theoretically the forgiveness of yourself is the belief in the forgiveness of God. Expound. Well, well, for me, I, I would say that the, the the face the face of all sin really is unbelief. If he said what he I mean what he says, his promises are yea and amen. Uh, correct. Okay, so if he's told you how what are the what are the 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 ways and means that he uh, uh, has set forth for his people to. And, you know, if if you sin, come to him, ask for forgiveness. He will forgive you of all sin, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I mean, yeah, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So if you take that time to ponder on whether or not you are or not, or take the time to to ponder, you know, did I do a wrong thing? Then you're kind of violating your consciousness, and you and you really kind of unbelieve to a degree. I know that's what God said, but man, you spend a whole lot of time dealing with the with 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 the terms of whether what God said is true or not. Well, that's like the well. I think that's where we get into the weeds earlier. Like, just go back to the beginning. Like, don't make a mountain out of a molehill, because that's like <clears> the people that say, you know, uh, you're forgiven. What you have eternal life, right? So the moment you confess your sins and repent and believe Jesus, and your eternal life begins right now, right, right. And then they try to make a case. Therefore. You should never need to pray to Jesus again for forgiveness when you make when you you know when you do something that's a sin because he's already paid for that. He's paid for that upon your first confession and repentance and you know Jesus is already forgiving you. So don't you believe like why do you have to keep asking Jesus for forgiveness? I think that's messed up. It's like look, all this can be solved in like all this can be solved in like 20 seconds. Just do it. Who cares? It's not a big deal. Like every time I mess up and you know I recognize a sin in my life, I'm like, "Oh, Lord, forgive me of that." Like, yes, I think if I didn't say that, I would be just as forgiven. But still, it's it's like, why? Like, why why um, litigate it? It's like, so myself, yes, Nate, you made a boneheaded decision again. Surprise. It's like, all right, Nate. Um, I, I mean, I don't really talk to myself like that. That'd be weird. But yes, like there are things I'm like, I've, I've done stupid things. I made awful choices. But yes, I, I forgive myself. Yes. Know better. Do better. Move on. It's not like a big seance or a big ritual or something. It's like, I recognize I did something bad. And I was wrong, and I feel guilty for it. Yes, I, I asked Jesus for forgiveness, even though I may not need to. Um, I still ask Jesus for forgiveness. I'm like, yes, Lord, forgive me, forgive myself, move on. So, I mean, if it's if someone doesn't turn it into a big deal, it's not a big deal. If someone makes it a big deal, then I would make a bigger deal of why it's a big deal to them, because it seems like like trying to litigate things out and being like um, like legalist about it. Rather than just being like, hey, do it or don't, it's fine. Like if someone says, well, I have to ask Jesus to forgive me, you know, three times every time I sin. I'm like, okay, well, that's a little weird, but I don't think it's, I, I think you're fine. If someone's like, don't you do that, don't you do that. I'm like, well, well, why not? Like, yeah, it's weird, I get it. But do you see what I'm saying? I'm just rambling a lot this morning. <laughs> now, I understand, I understand yeah, what you're saying. It's okay, it's okay. But, uh, but I guess... And the terms of me knowing that I did something wrong, I I firmly get that. But I guess the way it's used a lot is for me getting over the pain of what was done to me. 
I mean, people will, will, will counsel all the time. Well, the first thing you have to do is, is forgive yourself. You know, the first thing you have to do is be, okay, what, what is that, what is that truly, and is that, is that, is that a counsel, is that a biblical counsel as well? And can, and can it be founded on any biblical principles? We say well, it. Yeah, is, I, what, what, yeah, and I, I think Brandon has something to say too about it. That's why I came okay. up here. But, and, 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 then also, yeah, other, and then there's a couple other people. But, oh, okay. And there's, yeah, there's a couple other people. But when I, uh, mute, whoever's not muted. Okay. But when you say biblical principles, I'd say absolutely. Like what you said earlier, like, like strictly biblical, like I, I was saying no in regard to, I can't think of any specific verse that directly says forgive yourself, but biblical principles. Uh, yes, and I think that's where Sean got into the logic of it. It's very logical um, that, what, you're the only person in the world that you don't need to bother to forgive? It, it it just doesn't make sense. But also, it's a five-second conversation. So, you know, like Paul says, hey, hold on to what, what – take everything you hear, listen to it, and hold on to what's good. So if someone quickly says, hey, the road to healing begins with forgiving yourself, it's like, oh, okay, whether I agree or not, that took them three seconds to say and me two seconds to process. So – now you're over it. So move on. <laughs> uh, but let's get some other people in here. Johnny, hang on, Johnny, you were next. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm going to keep it really short so because, I mean, I think everyone's answer is pretty fair because for me, I do not think the Bible is about psycho, uh, like psychological or like any type of uh, emotional type of, uh, well, I mean, in a sense, yeah, you can see the emotional co uh, content of how deal with emotions but i don't think it deals really with psychology like i don't like like i don't think it's a geography book either so i don't try to make certain type of things match in those type of manner so what i would say just on a from a, a wiser point is that you see scripture about wise counsel and things like that about you know dealing with uh with you know certain issues and uh being a fool and being wise so i would imagine that someone who did um who did actually um who misses the, 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 the functions or the, the unction of forgiving yourself, I would imagine being a wise counsel or going onto wise counsel for, you know, uh, whatever, um, whatever it might be, it would take yourself to actually be at a, um, at, at a place to listen. And if you are um, a hardened heart, um, then I wouldn't imagine. So pretty much um, with um, something a bit of what Nate was saying about having a hardened heart, uh, that in itself is uh, unproductive to actually being a, a, a listening ear. Uh, you can look in the Proverbs about that, but I would not say that the Bible is trying to give you uh, a, a social, psychological type of, uh, you know, president to uh, to make any type of um, statements or anything in that nature. Um, I would uh, I would imagine you would more so see it um, for the, uh, the the point of uh, faith in itself. Um, but um, you know, and and, and faithfulness. Uh, but I, I would uh, I would not I would not try to use the Bible in that form because then what you'll do is you're trying you're you're gonna you're gonna have to add stuff to the Bible. You you're gonna need to have pretenses that are not really uh, shown. Kind of hold to them. You start you're starting to cut up a bit, Johnny. But um. Also, brother in chat says, perhaps the closest verse we have to forgiving yourself is, there is now no more condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Um, Amen and then he says, that. including condemning yourself. And, and I agree with that. Um, so if that's another way to split that hair and be like, well, hey, yeah, I, you know, 
should be forgiven, but I am forgiven by the only one who ultimately matters. That's Jesus. So, you know, there's no condemnation. Um, and that comes with belief. It's the same. It, it seems like that'd be the same uh, simplicity as we were talking about earlier, salvation. People have problem with that aspect of salvation because all it does require is your belief, you no. know, and uh, it, the, the, the no condemnation is, is based upon that same faith. You know, I put myself in that position where, you know, I'm warring with 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 my own pain, warring with my own uh, uh, issues. And that's natural. It's understandable. But you have to come to the to the the resounding floor of Christ has atoned for that. And when when things happen to you, that, that's as that's as sure as the promises and the benefits of God, you know, in, 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 you know, the blessings that we, that we, that we receive. He also promised that in this, in this life, you will have tribulations. And you, and when, when you, when you know that uh, the Holy Spirit, I'm sure prepares you for the, for those things. But there are things that happen to people that we know wasn't their fault. It's not their fault, but they deal with the, you know, the pain and the unforgiveness because of the, the things that they, that, that have uh, occurred and then over time they build like you were saying before resentment hatred or or you know it's a lot of lot of ill will you know but then of course you have the you have the heart of christ and you know that that's not that's not the way it's supposed to be so what's what's counseled is you know start off by forgiving yourself you know and uh, i i understand it but like like i said this, whoever the person was is right. The only precedence that I can see is, is there's therefore now no condemnation. You know, I, I, that, that to me, the same, just come to the, come to the understanding of, of how the Lord loves you that deeply uh, and how his, his, his love for you atoned for all sin. Well, except we're also talking about eternally, though. So I, I would also yeah. note that, you know, just because God forgives you eternally, you can still do stuff that would require forgiveness, right? So in this natural world, not talking about the kingdom of heaven or anything or eternally, but if I walk up to someone unjustly, punch them in the face. Yeah, there's no condemnation in Christ. Christ has forgiven me of that. He knew I was going to do that. I mean, I still don't think it's a bad idea to say, oh, Jesus, I messed up. I shouldn't have hit that guy for no reason. Uh, forgive me, Lord. Uh, but there's no condemnation. But you could bet that person probably feels a certain way about getting it, uh, hit in the face unjustly. So mm -hmm. they may be condemning you. And that's where Jesus says, look, if there's a problem with you and your brother on your way to give your uh, offering to the temple, um, go make it, put your offering down. Go make it right. So just because Jesus is already forgiving you, um, there's still condemnation to be had by other people in this world. So it would behoove you to be like, oh, I'm so can you forgive me? I'm sorry for that. I, I, I had a bad day. Yeah, you know, I, I should not have done that. I apologize. Can you forgive me? Um, and then hopefully that person will say, yes, let's try not to let that happen again. Um, but Brandon, you had something to say. Yeah, I was going to, uh, I, I was, I was going to pick a apostle Sean. I was going to ask him, is that the lion of the tribe of Judah on his PTR? <laughs> <laughs> but I was, uh, now you know that's the Detroit lion. That's not the lion of the tribe of Judah. Lord, I, I was, no, uh, that's the Detroit lion. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. When they get a team, Brandon, did you have anything about this topic? Oh yeah, no. I was uh, I was thinking when it um, 
when it comes to forgiveness, I, I would say sometimes I think it, it depends on the context of the conversation of forgiveness we're talking about. If if you if you're talking about forgiveness in the sense about where you have legitimately been the victim, um, and where someone has you know legitimately done you wrong and in the thing, and but you know you could be like ah. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have given that person a chance or, you know, oh, I was so stupid. And sometimes you do have to forgive yourself, maybe for not exercising uh, proper judgment. But I would say maybe uh, forgiveness when you're the offender. I think these may be two different contexts. But I do think that the text that was mentioned there is therefore now no condemnation. I think that is a, a thing that works in no matter what uh, the context is. I just wanted to add. Amen. Hey, Amen. Hey I, I appreciate you all. Just uh, something David, I didn't recommend. David, David, let me, can I give you just the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord? Oh, most and definitely. I, I think that this is set of Can you off. do it in audio befitting of our Lord? <laughs> just kidding. Some, go on. Steph, Steph, get the oil. Lay, Steph, Brandon, Johnny, everybody get some oil, lay hands on me. <laughs> Anyway, uh, this is Mark 11. Father, can you hear me? No, man, go ahead. <laughs> Mark 11, 24 and 25. Jesus says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, you with your father forgive you your trespasses. That's Mark 11, 24 through 26, uh, the King James. But the key is, he just said forgive. He didn't say, he didn't mention who it was. He said, just forgive so that you may be forgiven. So when I want my prayer to be answered and be affirmative, yes, I have no, I should forgive myself, forgive anyone else, no matter what they said. Or did. I don't know what you thought. I'm, I'm just discussing this with my wife. I don't know what you said did. Uh, I, I, I might know what you said or did, but I sure don't know what you thought. But yeah. your actions. And, and then the last thing, if, some, if someone has a big, if someone has a big problem with with uh, you know that, and they're like, well, I just don't think it's biblically right to have to forgive myself because I forgive others, but Jesus forgives me. Okay, forget all that. Just tell yourself, chin up, Buttercup, and move on. That's it. So forgive people, count on Jesus to forgive you. If you don't like hearing the words, forgive yourself. Chin up, buttercup, move on. <laughs> Canadian Michael, what's up? That's actually remarkably psychologically sound advice, and it's the same thing the Bible says, by the way. Chin up, buttercup? Yeah, think on Which these prophet things. prophet said that? Right, like, no, Paul <laughs> said that. Like, okay, we're given a list of things to think on, right? Sorry, Michael, I, I see you. I'll toss it right to you. Uh, but, like... If you're if you're struggling with like I did this thing I'm having a difficult time forgiving myself, what you're really doing is worrying about something that doesn't need to be worried about, and it's actually whether you recognize it or not. It's the equivalent of like feeling tingling in your fingers and thinking that you have cancer, and then you begin to dwell all the time on whether or not you have cancer and what you should do about it, and it's like not even a it's not even a problem, right? So. The Bible actually addresses this. I kind of disagree with Johnny. I think the Bible is a psychology book, but that could just be because that's where my head's at. But Amen. I agree there too. Yeah. It's like th this book is incredibly psychologically sound. 
And the advice that Paul gives about this is whatever is beautiful and honorable and trustworthy, like think on these things, right? Right. So it's almost like what the Bible instructs you to do is take thoughts captive. Um, and, and I believe that that means that we're not, we recognize these thoughts, we check them, but we don't have to live there because then he tells us, turn around, think on these other things. Um, so when you're struggling with a worry about, have I forgiven myself? Can I forgive myself? Every time I'm mad at myself for that thing I said to my wife, have I actually truly forgiven myself? That is literally the equivalent of any other kind of anxiety. It's useless. And what you do is you think on other things. Chin up, buttercup. Like, that's the actual biblical advice. <laughs> hey, Michael. Welcome. Steph, you're a clubhouse Christian therapist, says chat. Yes, but I'm not licensed, okay? I have this reputation. There's no, I have no degree in anything like that, okay? It's just... Do you have the thick rim glasses? Because that's all you need. <laughs> no. <laughs> Go. Go take the course in Christian counseling, and it take you four. It's four different courses, and you can get certified. I will tell you that when I have overcome all of my own disorders, maybe I will consider that. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, don't, I mean, don't you know most therapists? Most therapists uh, have issues, which is why they went into therapy, which also helps them better empathize with their people under their care. By the way, the soul is the seat of your will, emotions, your reasonings, your thoughts. So that is definitely psychological. Steph, Steph, did you swipe left again? I, I invited you again. It's is it letting you up, or is this word's not letting you up? Maybe I'm out already. I'll bring her up. Give me my control, and I'll, I'll bring her up. All right, try an invite her. Maybe you shouldn't be a therapist. Maybe you shouldn't drive a car. Are you inviting her, Sean? Here you go, Brandon. You invite her, too. Sean got me. My God, I, I set my phone down, and it swiped. Like, that is the most annoying feature. They need to do something about this. I put mine in my pocket. That's how I kept going down. So, I, so I Michael, for, like, the 50th time, what's up? How are you today? Oh, now he's not answering. <laughs> I'm Michael, and I agree that the Bible is psychologically sound, and I have a degree and authority to say that. Amen. I'm a Christian now. So you agree Jesus is the way, Michael? Sure do. <laughs> say it more Canadian. Sure do, eh? <laughs> All right. Wait, Josh is down there. Is Josh? Oh, he took off. Joshua was down there. He's still down there. Is he? Yeah, I don't see him. I just Josh refreshed. I just refreshed. He's down there. I was going to say we could get him in on our plan. I do not see him. Josh Bowen. Oh, oh, he changes. Wait, that's Joshua's salvation. You know, Dr. Josh. Josh is not here. Yeah. Doc Josh has left the building. Well, we have solved some problems today. Will you stop? Elvis has left the building. Joshua has left the building. John Michaels has left the building. 
Um, so Steph, when it gets to the Super Bowl, are you automatically just gonna be on not the Chiefs side, whoever it is? Yes. I am a fan of everyone who's not the Chiefs right now. So vengeful. Correct. So bitter. So bitter. Spirit of bitterness, Steph. Also correct, yeah. And you may need to do something about that. I will not. I mean, you know. I don't know. I mean, does the spirit of bitterness, I mean, it doesn't say what it's in regard to. I mean, if it can if you can be bitter over a sports team, can that spiritually affect you? No. Ah, bitter's bitter. I'm sorry. I think that I I'm feeling no personal conviction about loathing the Chiefs with everything that I am. I think that's fine. But here's what I said to Lynn yesterday, right? Because Lynn was one of the first people to pop on Discord and tell me that she was so sorry and that she's here for me. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah. But anyway, I told her that New York State is a den of filth. It may as well be both Sodom and Gomorrah and the Buffalo Bills are a punishment. So this is all still <laughs> biblical. Got really quiet around here. In this room for the Lions this Sunday when we play San Francisco. That is a den of iniquity. Like, I haven't, I haven't paid attention to football in so long that it, it's so weird because, like, a few years ago, like, all the really bad teams, like, apparently they're really good this year. Like, how did that happen? When did they get good? Apparently in the last few years. The Lions started rebuilding a year and a half ago. Ooh, let's talk about music. So, Steph, the uh, the CD burning and all, all that stuff. I, I I don't know the guy saying like Christian metal or whatever. You want to recap that? It was all yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a very lengthy conversation. I just kind of like sped through, sped read through it. Oh yeah, okay. So there's a guy in the Discord who's a buddy of mine um, from another Discord, but he is sort of coming to Christianity, developing his faith. I think that he grew up in the Catholic faith and then kind of went away from it is now returning. Um, so he, he has this thing where, um, he really enjoys a lot of things that are of the world, like music and art. And this guy also, he's funny. I think he's the one he's in school to be a funeral director, like a funeral home director. So you can get a degree in that. I know. Right. So he has this like interest in thing, mortality and morbidity. And so he'll sort of collect antiques or objects or like old medical equipment, whatever. He's just got this kind of very dark uh, set of interests. So uh, he's coming to faith, though, and he finds Catholicism and Orthodoxy sort of equally appealing because they put some emphasis on this stuff. But what he's struggling with now is that before he became a Christian, um, he was really into metal music or, you know, other like other things that had you know, if you have that set of interest around mortality and death, uh, you could either become Catholic or you could become a Satan worshiper, right? Like, <laughs> that's your two uh, options. Oh, so wow. it's like, he, 
he went down this track of like following, um, you know, it's leading him into, or it had led him in the past into witchcraft and necromancy and whatever, whatever, like all of these themes. So now coming back to Christianity, he's sort of like, oh, I hadn't even realized that those things were problems, that they were attached, you know, that um, looking at like medical equipment from the middle, middle ages uh, also has a connection with witchcraft, right? So he wasn't, he's making the connections now about how many things that he has interest in that are very ungodly and very counter to the Bible. So that's what he was asking about. Like, can he listen to music? Like, he's a big fan of heavy metal music, right? So one of the big themes is dark witchcraft, Satanism, blah, blah, blah. So for the first time, it's like he's waking up and he's realizing, oh, I don't like those lyrics. I don't agree with that. I kind of don't want that in my head. So he was asking us where the line is there and kind of how to manage that. Of course, Pastor Mark told him to just get out his loot and only do hymns. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the rest of us were kind of like, well, you know, as you um, as you progress in faith, you lose interest in those. I mean, not only have I lost interest in that kind of thing, like I, I'm completely repulsed by it. And I think that just happens naturally. So there's everyone caught up. I just wanted to see how wanted you to see how it felt when no one responds after you're done talking. <laughs> I didn't yeah, want to be in the totally club alone. <laughs> Do you have a uh, hand raising off again? No, I turned it on. I mean, it is on. It's always been on today. People have been complaining that it's off on Club Deck. That if they're on Club Deck, they can't get up on your stage. No, it's because for like two times in like you know uh, two years, um, the last couple times I turned it off because like we had enough people on stage. And it was a good conversation. So I didn't want to keep getting interrupted by like everyone else trying to join the party uh, because it was already good discussion. So I turned it off. And like now all of a sudden, like, you know, we're Hitlers and like everyone's like quelling their speech and all that. I'm like, bros. Anyway, that's what happened. But no, it is not off today because <laughs> there's no one talking today. Um, so Steph, just want to say sorry about the bills last night. My son was crying. It was a sad scene. My eight-year-old cried too. <laughs> she was crying on the couch. It was so sad. Can you imagine being Tyler Bass this morning? <laughs> well, you know, honestly, I, I, I think Stefan Diggs is the one who should get the heat. He dropped the touchdown. He did. Dude, that's why I, I get so nervous watching switch to the other side. The Chiefs, like, dude, they they almost lost that game twice. I cannot believe, like, what was it, Hardman or whatever, like, like messes up the, the – he had a touchdown right there, um, or at least not turning it into a touchback. Like, and he just – he goofed that up. And then, oh, what was the other one? It was like the fumble. Like they could have, they could have recovered that fumble, and just ran and scored right there, and they didn't. And that's what makes me so nervous about the Chiefs. Is like, they're they're good on paper. Like they they technically seem to come out with a good record, but it's like nail biting to watch them because it's like they it's such a nail biter, and like I don't like that. Like I want easy wins. Maybe that's again why I'm not a candidate. I mean, they have they have won two out of the last four Super Bowls, Nate. For perspective, 
I know, but not not like easy. It's always like ah. It's never like oh yeah, man, they got this in the second quarter. It's just like up to the last like twenty seconds. It's like oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I I hope they get dismantled by the next week. I mean, as much as everyone else is telling everyone else to repent, like you don't need to repent over your hate of the Chiefs, I guess. You know hey what guys. it is? It's just oh, there's Michael. Is yeah. a cry baby <laughs> sometimes. That game where they lost because of a penalty, but it was a penalty. <laughs> yeah. He's still crying about. I just don't like Mahomes crying. What's up, Michael? Wait, wait, on that, my favorite moment was when Josh Allen went in for the hug and just Mahomes, like, cried and swore in his face. What a little baby. So first and, so first and foremost, I offer my condolences to Steph. I, my heart broke uh, when the Bills lost yesterday. I was, I was cheering for them. Um, I share CEO sentiment. I think the Ravens will dismantle the Chiefs. Um, uh, and it doesn't matter anyway because the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, that that was, and I had to duck out on a quick phone call. That's why I had to go away suddenly. But uh, yeah, that, that's my that's my feelings on on that. I I was uh, yeah I was very disheartened. Blasphemy. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know if that's blasphemy. No, hey hey, look, I think um, I'm I'm a big fan of what the Lions did as well. Um, they certainly. Uh, have earned a trip to the postseason, given their last three decades of performance. But uh, I've been a Niners fan since Joe Montana, so I'm bo- I'm cheering for the Niners. Oh, and hey, while you were away on that phone call, um, Steph converted you to Christianity for you. Yes, I accepted Christ on your behalf. You're welcome. Isn't that a Mormon yeah. thing to do? It just showed Can you, you on that? mute for a long time. So, no, uh, no, no, Mormons do that. Mormons, Mormons baptize people posthumously all the time. Um, there was a huge thing. Oh, there was cool. a huge thing, actually. There was a report about this several years ago, um, in the uh, in the like the Mormon temples in um, in Salt Lake City. They found people. Basically, what they had done is they they co-opted. They they somehow got records of people that died in the Holocaust. And they were baptizing Jews posthumously into the Mormon church. Um, Yikes. Yeah. yeah. And they, 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 there's, there's, there's history of them doing this a lot. And it's one of the ways that they have their numbers inflated. So the, the number, I think that they show something like, uh, I think the, the last census was something like 11 or 11 and a half million more, uh, people who, you know, who claim to be Mormons. But something like two and a half million of them are dead people. So, yeah. Yeah, that's and That's the same thing we do in our elections. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. So here, here's, a, here's a funny thing. Nate, I'm curious to hear your thing on this, and I only have a few minutes. So I'm, I apologize for dropping a bomb and them having to leave. Um, do you think the president of the United States should be ordered to see, should be able to order SEAL Team Six to assassinate a political rival and have immunity? Because that's what Trump's lawyers are arguing. So there is. I Nate, mean, there's anything a lot. other than no. Come on, it can't be anything other than no. Wait, now hang on. Now, do you want me to to give you a well thought out answer? Because I'm trying to parse through this. Okay, go ahead. So. 
what what was the thing you actually said again? Do I think a president should be able to order uh, so, military yeah. to take out who? So 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 John Sauer, uh, tr- one of Trump's lawyers, ha- was asked. Uh, he asked the D.C. Court of Appeals because this was a whole the whole presidential immunity thing, and the the three judge panel one one of the members of the three judge panel asked John Sauer if Donald Trump should be able to be prosecuted if he ordered because John Sauer's argument was the only way a president can be prosecuted in in a like outside of like outside of the government is if he is uh, tried and convicted by the Senate so so the question was directly if Donald Trump ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate one of his political rivals, and he was not convicted by the Senate. Would he? Could he be held criminally liable? And, the, and his lawyer, John Sauer, argued no, he could not be held criminally liable. And I, wonder okay, if here, you are, and I wonder if you agree with that. Well, here's one of the things that caused me to pause and you to rage, <laughs> was we are not, I'm, I'm just going to assume you are not also, we are not familiar enough with the laws to be able to say that. So it could be very technically possible his lawyer is right because I'm thinking, I, I, I'm not an expert at all, but if the president is commander-in-chief of the military, then is he accountable to like the military tribunal and like like JAG like court and stuff like that? Um, because if it was like, if it was something done during his term where he's the chief of the army or no, of the military. He's not. Okay, well, okay, well, let me finish my thought then. Okay, so I was thinking if, if that was the thing, then maybe it would have to be done by like a military tribunal. If not, um, then I guess that would, answer, that would answer that part of the question. So I'm trying to parse through this like on, you know, because maybe he would be technically right. The CEO says no. Are you very familiar with like yeah, the I, military I, I, civilian stuff? Yeah, I got my master's in public administration, so I did discover, discover this stuff intently. And the military cannot try a non-person enrolled in the military. That is, they are not allowed to do that. So after they, so during the time in office, they could. After they're out, like... because he isn't considered a part of the military, he has oversight over the military, but he is not considered enrolled. Okay, in the... he's not okay because he's not enlisted, right? Correct. Okay, so, and this goes to the presidential immunity thing, which, again, I, I just don't know the answer. So, I mean, if, if he said no and he wasn't laughed out of the courtroom, then I guess there's enough of a disagreement one way or another that enough people think like him on the technicality that, you know, presidential immunity or whatever, um, you couldn't be. So I, I don't know. Like, if it wasn't immediately, like, shut down and, like, laughed off stage by everyone in the courtroom, then I guess there's enough dissension that both sides have their arguments. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess the only question becomes if Biden decided to do that to Mr. Orange, would you exactly Biden to be prosecuted after he left office? Same answer. Same answer. I don't know. Like if there's enough disagreement on either side, then I guess, you know, however that happens, if it makes it to a trial or if it, if it doesn't, because it can't, maybe that's one for the Supreme court to decide. Well, it is interesting. I think the D.C. Circuit Court is supposed to render their decision on the immunity thing this week, and then it will be appealed to the Supreme Court. 
and there's no way. I mean, I'm not a legal scholar at all. I only play one on TV sometimes. Um, there's no way the Supreme, because what if if the Supreme Court said yes, presidents have absolute immunity, then there would be nothing stopping. And I think this is this would be a selfish decision on the Supreme Court's, but I still think this is the decision they'll give. If they said yes, you have absolute presidential immunity, then what that would mean is, is that Trump could also have them taken care of. And so, they, so they're not going to they're not going to render a decision that also makes themselves dis, uh, dispensable, or, or well, uh, yeah, they're not going to do it. But I'm also not super familiar with how like the full pardon system works because even if they're like, yes, you can totally uh, held accountable and tried, then in, in theory, I mean, again, not super familiar with the pardon doctrine, but it seems like you can pardon yourself uh, without prejudice for anything. So couldn't he just like straight up murder a bunch of people in, and well, wait, wait, he couldn't pardon because you have to have a, you have to have a verdict in order to pardon. Right. So he couldn't just pardon himself preemptively. Um, so maybe I answered my own question because then if you have to have like a, a conviction to pardon, then I, I guess you couldn't do that preemptively. Um, unless someone tries to argue you could. So, yeah, I just don't know enough about this, like, um, these laws and I don't think any of us do. So if there's some technicality in which this is, is possible, then fine. Whatever the Supreme Court or, you know, ends up being decision is the decision. So it's interesting. Yeah, I heard one. I heard somebody talking about this. And one of the things that was said was is um, and this is something that that Biden wouldn't do. I think he has more integrity than this. <laughs> is he should. He should he okay, should sit, he should sit down at the at the you know at the executive at the Lincoln desk, and he should write up an order. He should write he should write up the order, like ordering SEAL Team Six to assassinate Donald Trump, but not sign it, and just fold it up and put it in his pocket and says, "I'm just going to hold on to this until the Supreme Court renders this decision, and then maybe I'll sign it." Because if 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 what you're saying holds true, that would be totally fine. Wouldn't it? Well, well, well hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. Stop, 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 stop. Well, I, I have to go soon, too. Well, we're talking about a hypothetical, though. Like, it, right? Like, presumably Trump didn't order Steel Team 6 to eliminate a political rival. So, like, is, is that a hypothetical based on something that actually did happen? Oh, because no, no, no talking, it's completely it, hypothetical. It's completely right. hypothetical. Well, well right. But, because, but as far as the immunity stuff, though, like, I mean, generally, I do know that's why it's in order. So, like, you know, the president doesn't have to doesn't have to, you know, they can act in real time. Like, you know, Soleimani, for example, remember the dude that, um, you know, he took out was like one of the top generals in Iran responsible for all kinds of death and murder of Americans over the years, in the last like three decades. And he had intel. So you don't have to worry about whether or not it will be a future like, um, you know, a, a future issue. It's like you have a threat. You're the commander in chief. You need to act right now to deal with a threat. And that's that's typically where that case is argued from. So much like religion, when we get into hypotheticals, it just messes up everything. Like, so if you take concrete examples, like the intent of the power, like it, because of course I'm going to say it's wrong. Like morally, it's it's wrong in this hypothetical. If he's like, hey, I'm going to have my political uh, person, you know, my political rival assassinated or imprisoned. Well, yeah, that's wrong. Like, is there some technical legality that makes it unprosecutable? I don't know. Let's hear what the Supreme Court has to say uh, because of the powers of office or whatever. But morally, of course, it's wrong. Um, if that, like, for example, the polit quote political rival was actually staging a coup 
and you know they were like getting ready to violently overthrow you and uh, you know illegally, and you have them killed. Well, then is it really like you're eliminating a political rival just because they're a rival, or because they're like, uh, um, you know, there's like an impending attack with this person leading it? Well, then no, it's not wrong. You're you're start stopping an illegal assault. The fact that they're a political rival um, is just something the the detractors would say. I would imagine. This is quite an idea, though, Michael, that Biden writes up this order, and then the question would be, would Trump's team still argue for it? <laughs> no, it, it is it is interesting, right? And thank you, Nate, for saying it's it's a moral it's morally wrong. Thank you for saying that. Um, but what's interesting is is that if you take it out of the realm of the hypothetical, the reason Trump is arguing for immunity is is because of the or is for the things he actually did do that he has been charged for. He's not arguing for immunity because of a possible hypothetical. He's arguing to get himself out of trouble. Right, but as far as I know, unless you're about to tell me something I don't know, is the things he's arguing that he should be immune for have nothing to do with this hypothetical about uh, murdering a rival just because they're political opposition. They don't. The idea, Nate, was that they came up with the most extreme example possible to see how far Trump's attorney is arguing. So that's why they did that. Trump's attorney said, even that most extreme hypothetical. So the, so the judges now understand that Trump's team is all the way in on this. So that's why they made that. Now, Trump is, by being having that position, it basically suggests that the legal team is saying, not as the only he shouldn't be he should be immune for anything he's done, but he also would be immune from anything he did in his next term. And so, which, the, the which idea specific case is this is, talking about? Does anyone does anyone actually know? Like, it's the all specific... of them, all of them, because we're name saying three. that Trump should be immune from any just, federal just, just prosecution. Just name, name three. Just um, name three. The January sixth case. And the um, the uh, what's the what's the other federal one? The documents, the uh, secret. Yeah, documents. the federal documents. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so what federal those documents? Two. You talking about the classified things? Yes, correct. So so they're specifically arguing about those two, but their argument is that he also would be immune from anything in his next term. Okay, fine. But I mean, for the concrete examples, you're talking about the classified things they got in Mar-a-Lago, right? Correct. Okay, so I mean, as much as we've heard, like that—that—that's illuminating. As much as we've heard about that, like personally, I don't see anything wrong with with January 6. Like he had no involvement. Like he offered like 10,000 National Guards, which was turned down, and he wasn't not being a dictator. As much as people want to say he's a dictator, he's not. So him not being a dictator, he couldn't force Pelosi, who was in charge, to take 10,000 National Guards, but he offered them and she refused. And when dictators and people who want insurrections don't usually say on national TV, on a loud stage in the middle of the, the, the Washington, whatever, lawn, uh, peacefully go home. Uh, people usually don't say that. So I feel morally peaceful about that. The Mar-a-Lago stuff, I mean, people will fight it out. But whenever you're having ongoing discussions about stuff that, you know, you can – I mean, one discussion is I guess there's some formal process you have to go by uh, by declassifying, which just came up because of Trump. No other time has any president been in trouble for taking classified documents. Um, 
but he's like, no, it's it's at will. It's declassified because I'm the president and I say it's declassified. So there is no problem. But the archive still wanted it back, which they were in communication with the archive. And then all of a sudden, FBI shows up and raids and like, you got classified documents. Um, so I, you know, what we know about that, I am morally at peace with, too. Um, the people who shouldn't be covered by that would be Biden. Like he's president now. But he certainly wasn't with the boxes of classified material uh, showed up in his garage that he did not have the authority to declassify because he was vice president. Same thing with Pence. He was vice president. So they try to they try to compare apples to apples, but it's apples and oranges for all the stuff Trump does because he was the executive in charge of the country. He was the president with the power to do this. And then they try to compare it to all these other people as if it's the same. It's not. What they did is illegal because they do not have the power to declassify. He does. Anyways, uh, Michael, you got a quick final thought, and then I, I we do have to run. Yeah, well, a quick final thought, maybe. So the there are the there are stark differences, unfortunately, um, and I'll have to take the time to maybe email you some links, because unfortunately, the things that you said are some of the things you said are factually incorrect. Um, one of the so some of the differences between the documents that Biden had was when they said, "Oh, it looks like you've got stuff." He immediately turned all of it over and ordered his office to, to cooperate with the National Archives. The difference with that is that is that there is now there's now sworn testimony by by people who were in Trump's camp who have now taken plea deals and flipped on Trump, where and they have sworn in like they have sworn depositions saying Trump told us to tell the archives this is all the stuff. When in fact it wasn't all the stuff because the list the, the list that they had was different from the list of the stuff they seized when they raided the place. The second thing is that Trump does not have the capacity to simply look at a document and say, "I declassify this." There is a process. There is a process for now. Trump saying it is declassified is part of that process, but there's more to the process than that. And there is also Mark Milley. The guy who Trump should, uh, the, the guy who Trump said should be executed, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has is also has made a sworn deposition, saying there was never a request by Donald Trump for troops to help on on January sixth. It didn't happen. It's a lie. Okay, first of all, so. He, he, I mean, he made that in like a, uh, what was it? It was like a speech. Like he made that public, like he made a public proclamation. Like it's been a long time ago at this time, but I remember him saying that. And I'm pretty sure it's before he's like, if Pelosi wants to give her 10,000 people right now, like he was not private about this. So regardless of what Millie says, it was public and it was announced. So um, if someone's like, well, he didn't go through the proper filing. Whenever Pelosi's like, no, I'm not accepting anything from him. I mean, why would you be like, well, I offered it. She rejected it. So I don't need to do a proper filing. She said no. So why waste my time if she's going to just refuse? Secondly, Millie absolutely is treasonous. Um, whenever he calls China behind the back of the president to assure them that don't worry, we're keeping the nuclear nuclear codes away from the president. It's in safe hands. Um, that, that I mean, that is it doesn't matter what you say. Like that is the most black and white account of treason. Um, that I, I think I could come up with in my, in my lifetime in a practical thing. Uh, I mean, maybe except for an actual coup. I, I mean, this was this was that in all the ways except actual violence.
like that that guy is 100% not nice Christian things to say about him. But um, all right, I do have to run. Yeah, Nate, can I just say one last thing? So I, I agree with you on Millie. Lastly, all that you said related to Trump may be true, but the case wasn't about his guilt. The case was about whether or not he could be charged. Yeah, well, I guess we'll wait and see what happens there. But all right, everyone, have an awesome day. Catch you all later.